0: All right, it's Leafs Talk Live from the Sportsnet Digital Network. I'm JD Bunkus. He's Justin Bourne. Leafs lose four-two to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Hockey Hall of Fame Night. Um, yeah. Honestly, dude, I don't. I had a lot of positives early in this game, and then basically the way this one went for me was it just it kept diminishing. It was like a slow <laughs> yeah. burn down of this is good, this is fine, and then kind of ended with me feeling pretty mad.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. If if you go through the game, I think it depends how you were feeling or what you wanted to see. Because there was missed opportunities from the Leafs. The Pens mm-hmm. got a little lucky here and there. Uh, yeah, same way though. That by the end of it, it was like felt a little. It felt a little uninspired by the third period, but yeah, good middle frame.
0: Good middle frame. But this is something I I really wanted to bring up with you, like as I was watching the third, which is this is another game where the Leafs have gotten a lot of shots but haven't really felt dangerous despite outshooting their opponent. It happened in the last Golden Knights game and now it happened here. And, And I wonder if you picked up anything that maybe is emerging as a bit of a pattern for this group. You know, five on
1: five play, I think is still somewhat of a concern. You know, I, I've poked through a lot of the sport logic data on the Leafs to see if there's anything, any like real trends that stick out. And, Starting to show like one of the elite teams again in some of the same categories as they used to, Uh, ozone possession time, shots, um, a a lot of stuff that says they have the puck around the outside in the ozone. They're not up there in some of the slot shot categories. You're right. It does kind of bear out in the numbers as well. So it kind of goes back to what ails this team when you get to playoffs is can you get to the inside? You know, can you not just have it, but get to the dangerous areas of the rink? And right now it's still a question mark.
0: Yeah, it just, it doesn't feel like they're doing that well enough. Um, and then there have been a couple of chances in that game for them where they are in those high-danger shot zones. Like, one of them is Kerfoot, where he just, like, I think he actually got taken off that line because of a miss right out in front. And Sheldon Keefe went... I can't watch this. What am I doing here? Like It's funny, Sam like, how, how much joking. my, like, respect for Kerfoot as a player
1: has grown, but my confidence yeah. in his ab- ability to shoot it into the hockey net is, like, non-existent now.
0: Dude, uh, McKee and I enough. were joking... McKee and I were joking on last show that he's on the Mount Rushmore of stone hands and that his hands were actually built of the stone from that (laughs) Mount Rushmore. Like he just, he can't bury it. And you know, maybe this is just one of the topics to start with. They go back to bunting on the first line and Keith does the blender move again. And I'm kind of at the point now where I, I really wanted them to see what Michael bunting was beyond a guy who gets the cookies from Marner and Matthews, or I shouldn't even call them cookies, but a guy who gets a, one of the, I would say, best jobs in all of hockey, yeah. outside of the fact that he has to get mauled every single night. <laughs> just <takes> a beating <laughs> a happening at the night. Yeah. But I, I like the idea of just seeing, hey, is there a little bit of hymen to this guy where he actually can drive a bit of a line? And if you are going to make a decision on him, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that if you're tying up some finances to a multi-year contract, that he can do something if you want to get someone else going on that line. Well, like That you should always know, be a rotating position.
1: You don't know that Matthews and Marner are going to be here for the next you know, whatever the duration of Bunting's contract is. Good point. Not to be like a fear monger, but, sure. you know, if if they're not, and all of a sudden you're saying, okay, well, we paid this guy $6 million to to score, and he's a third liner. You'd like to know now.
0: Yeah, but it's I am find myself torn on a lot of nights with Bunting because the night starts and I go, oh, that's nice that Bunting is down the lineup, even though that line is just so uninspiring. Engvall in the middle with Yarncroc, who... Like, oof, four years of yarn crock. <laughs> Strap in for that. The worst years. part
1: is that there's nothing there, good or bad.
0: It's no, just... Nothing. It's just very meh. Oof. But I don't really like Kerfoot on the top line. I don't really see what Sheldon Keefe sees in it. It doesn't really skates. work.
1: He skates, but
0: you need to have a guy with a little bit of finish. And I know that bunting's opportunity doesn't go in the net, but it's, you know, millimeters away from going oh, in. He fits... In the collarbone, yeah he clearly fits best with those two guys out of all the other options that they've tried to trot out there. And you remember that when they signed Nick Ritchie originally, that he was going to get a crack up with those guys, right? That bunting was going to get an opportunity maybe later, but he was originally a third line guy. I I still like the idea of being able to look at free agents, especially guys on the cheap guys who are willing to take short-term contracts and try to replicate, what Bunting has been for them, where you go, hey, you want to come here on a very very cheap deal, you get an opportunity to play with these two guys, and maybe you'll boost your contract value. But yeah. uh, with this hockey team, like I, I just I think it's Bunting's job, and and I I don't see really any reason as to or any other option for the tinkering.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just you know we we this is the second time in three games now that Sheldon's done the line blender thing, right? And it's I, I think his it was. Thing. Yeah, it it just it felt like in, like, NHL 94, when you use speed boost, you find out you can do that, and you just, like, hammer it, hammer it, hammer it. Like, I don't yeah. think it's going to work for him every night if he keeps yeah. hammering that button. I, I also just feel like, if we're going to do that, mm-hmm. like, why Matthews and Marner cannot be apart for a second? Mm-hmm. Like, can we just... If you're looking to do something creative, drastic, different, whatever, I thought Willie moved his feet tonight, he created, had a couple of chances, scored... like
0: like, Nylander.
1: Yeah, like... Like, I don't know, with him and Austin be able to create something like I just don't with Mitch and and, uh, and Austin right now, there's not much happening at five on five. Like they don't seem to be able to create. And, and I know not to go back to goals is the only tell all of that. But Matthew's still stuck on two in 15 games now and even yeah. strength like they yeah. give it a different look for a bit. I,
0: at this point, the the numbers are becoming enough that you should be able to justify it as the coach. You should be able to take a look. I brought I up. the I know you guys idea. like each other, but Yeah, but look here, look at these numbers. And yeah. it's just way too many nights where I I find Marner to be just not it was so nice seeing him the other night make that play in the the phone booth, oh, right? Yeah. Where he ends up scoring and then setting up the Lilligren goal because that's just been missing for them this season. Like the dynamic play of those two. Like, if we're going to get to the, hey, why doesn't it feel like they're dangerous five on five? Uh, yeah. Maybe it has something to do with the guy that leads the NHL in five on five goal scoring since he came not leave only having two of them. like Maybe that's <laughs> yeah. what it is. Yeah,
1: like of all the analytical depth they go into, like you, pretty much anyone could walk into the room, look at a statue and be like, there it is. Found the yeah. problem.
0: So. I, I brought up the idea on my podcast this week about I wouldn't mind trying to see Nylander get his own line like what that looks like and try to split up the groups the the three different ways. But I was talking to Ian Tulloch and he made a great point, which is it's just it's tough to make sure that you ensure that Nylander is getting enough minutes in that scenario. And you really don't want to be looking down at the end of the game at the box score and seeing him, you know, 16. Uh, below 16 minutes, you know? Yeah. So.
1: I, and I know that is a somewhat of a concern, but I think two things happen is you strengthen the third line enough with him there to where you use it consistently. So you're, you're, you're getting a bit more out of your third line minutes just cause he's there and it's a line you trust. And then there's all the moments where you're getting him extra time outside of that line. You know, a guy hurt, you want to put him in or just after a penalty kill or whatever it may be, you know, you give Marner a rest here or there, whatever you know, you can find a couple extra minutes for him. So I do understand the concern about getting him enough. But listen, Neilander's not Matthews and Marner. If he gets 17 and a half one night, you haven't greatly failed in your duty as a coach. Like it's, if Matthews and Marner don't play enough, you failed. If, if Willie doesn't, you know.
0: I thought he really fed off the energy in the building tonight though. Like I, I think yeah. that, that was a night where William Nylander knew that Sadine was in the house, that Alfredson That's was in the point, house. That's a good point, actually. The Swedish Salming influence was, was heavy. Yeah, it was it was very big tonight. It was very present. Obviously, the the moment of the night that you know everyone's gonna remember is Salming being held by Sittler and Sundin. And yeah, oh. I got pretty choked up. Uh, I saw the pan across. Like I wasn't sure who was all on the ice, and once they panned it, and you could see that Salming was there, and that Sittler was getting teared up. I yeah. I had Sundin on my podcast this week and the way that he spoke. Yeah. By the way, that's on the Leafs talk podcast channel. So go and uh, subscribe to that. Um, The way he spoke about Salming was like beautiful. It was eloquent. You can tell what that guy means to him and what that guy has meant to Swedish hockey and what he means to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so just, that that is one of the beauties of cheering. Like I know that a lot of people look at the Leafs. Bear with me for just a short little rant here before we get back into the game. No, you're a lot good. of people poke fun at the Leafs 1967. You know that a lot of the fans are always down on the fan base. You know, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of frustration right now and angst amongst the fans. People are at each other's throats. There's always this like, you know, weird Dubis versus non dubis fans thing that has happened in leafland there's this weird finger pointing about which star it is and every once in a while it's nice to be reminded like that is what being a leaf fan is is that it's a generational play Mm -hmm. is that it's like a deeply rooted thing that goes back like to johnny bauer being someone who was a you know on remembrance day to think about like a gunner in like a world war you know at 15 while looking like a child yeah, it the the recruiter who let Johnny Bauer into the military. <laughs> there kid, should have been man. a Just tribunal, on, but yeah. having like that tradition does mean something. And seeing all those different captains standing together tonight on the ice, uh, like that that was a beautiful moment. And them yep. holding Salming and him mustering up the strength to salute the crowd. Like, yeah, I got very very choked up, and I I very much appreciated having a care for this franchise for just a brief moment.
1: And cool. Yeah. Cool to have him back, not knowing, you know, when, Mm -hmm. if, you know, he gets the chance to be there again. Right. It's a Mm -hmm. moment that everyone got to have with him and have him appreciate, you know, I, I don't know if I should get into this, but you know, like Bree's dad, my, my, you know, father-in-law Clark Gillies passed this year and they have Clark Gillies night in long Island coming up in about a month, Bree's going to go down and be there. But like, you think, what it would have meant to him to have the opportunity to be there. And, you know, you know, and so it's, uh, it's cool that he got to do that and be there and um, yeah, seeing his teammates react to him and all that and what he meant to all those people, pretty powerful moment.
0: It was incredible. And yeah, just like, I can't, you know, you can't imagine what someone goes through when their body is deteriorating like that. So for him to be able to stand up there, lift the hand, I just like, yeah, the, they always talk about Salming being like one of the strongest guys ever. And I've joked many times about having seen this man live without his shirt on, like, that this is just very <laughs> yeah. true. But, yeah, that was just a very, very strong moment. So the game itself, like, I, I really wanted to see the Leafs get one for Salming tonight, get one mm-hmm. with Sundin in the building, like, have a really dominant performance. And, again, it looked like they were going to have that earlier. I was really they, they impressed with well the They played well tonight, play. by and they, large. They played well tonight, and it should be noted that, like, DeSmith had a kick save on Tavares that I still didn't really see an angle of that yeah. I understand how it didn't go in the net. Um, really Nielander hit the inside hit of the post. post, yeah. right? It's just, they, they didn't him bunting, in the collarbone.
1: Like they were all over it.
0: Just they didn't, they didn't finish their high danger chances. And I don't like boiling it down to simply this, but that that was an Eric Schalgren game. That's just, you almost have to do the accounting of, he's going to let one of those in if you give them those shots. And it's a bad turnover by the fourth line, which I want to talk about in a second. Like Malgin makes a bad play, but yeah, it's just it's going to be nice to get a different goalie in there. You hope Matt Murray is actually able to play Saturday night because this experiment is like, as much as we want to praise Shalgren for the moments that he has that are quality. Yeah. It just, you, the Leafs, the whole trope of, they just need to have decent goaltending, not backbreakers was on full display tonight.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the analogy of the like the mother who like lifts the car off her child. But like <laughs> no one ever asked yeah. the mother to hold the car for very long. And that yeah. Shawgren, Like he's come yeah. in and he's held the car up. <laughs> and now they're like, could you hold it for another week? And he's just yeah. like, absolutely not. I can't. Like it feels like it's going to crash down. That was a little bit it tonight where you're like, when you don't have above average NHL goaltending or even average NHL goaltending, Some games, you're going to give up one at a terrible time in a 2-2 game when you want one for the Hall of Fame game. You know, like, it's just going to happen sometimes. And that was tonight where he happened to—it's a bad goal.
0: Yeah, I did wonder, too, if it actually deflated the team a little bit. Like, if you just looked at the timing of it and where the the legs went, where it just allowed Pittsburgh to go into more of a defensive shell, that's a mature team. Exactly.
1: They didn't have to push, so they didn't have to open up.
0: They didn't have to open up. And not only that, like, they've been struggling. They just snapped a seven-game losing streak, right? So you yeah. could tell, like, they really wanted that one. They were going to pay attention to details. They weren't going to give the Leafs just about anything, and they didn't. So, like, yeah, it really did change the complexion of the game. You can say there was tons of time in the period, but, again, this is just – this changed the hockey game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts I, I about. did have
1: a moment where I thought – I wondered if Keith should call a timeout. Well, uh, you can't really call a timeout, but at least get a bunch of guys to turn around and listen to them and be like, other teams' goalies give up bad goals, too. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you don't want your team to see, hey, we're the team with the AHL goalie, and you're, you know, going to slump your shoulders and pout. Like, I I recognize it's a bad goal. We're talking about it as a game-changing moment. Same time for those players. It shouldn't have gone to their legs the way it did, because you mentioned them petering out in the game. It did feel like it kind of fell off around there and could have been related to that.
0: Man, I liked... How fiery Keith was on the bench tonight! I gotta say, like every time they were doing he's a cutaway to him, he was—he yeah. just looked like his normal self again. Like maybe he's finally through the media cycle. He was obviously pretty shaken up by some of that stuff. I just thought, hey, you know what? This guy looks like a a, a bench boss again. Okay, yeah. like he just looks like he is back in control of his situation and and being comfortable blending his lines, being pissed off on the bench. Good Sheldon yeah. Keith night again. Um, so the fourth line. The turnover leads to that goal. Again, it's a bad turnover by Malgin, but is is this now the fourth line? Like, are you seeing enough that this is it moving forward? Because Keith looks like they're trusting him more, and I got to admit that I sort of trust them more too. I know, and well, Keith definitely does. I can't believe how often you see him get over the
1: boards. I'll look that up after, but um, no, it's not the fourth line. It's just not. It's not going to be in game one. So you and I are so big pitcher. <clears throat> that it's really hard to be like, yeah, I can see that line going for a bit because I can, but, like, it doesn't feel like they end there. Mm. But as for now, they found something, you know, with Mulgan being effective and Aston Reese kind of doing – he actually threw a hit tonight that was impactful, I thought. Yep. You know, he gets a <coughs> gets a goal, excuse me. So, yeah, there's something they haven't had, which is a line that you can put out there, and the play goes the right way. They get some chances. I like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I still think it it ends up with a more traditional – not Dennis Malgan on the fourth line. I don't know. Maybe he takes Robertson's spot when they trade Robertson
0: in Mm. two months. A lot of minutes. That's a lot of minutes for Malgin to be eating. I I still think that the long-term solution, or if we're going to do the long view, the team has two clear and obvious needs to me. Um, They need another blue liner, uh, someone who can eat some heavier minutes and maybe play next to Morgan Riley and, try to elevate what's going on with him right like morgan riley has absolutely got the crosshairs the fan base on him right now made a nice play tonight should be noted on the power play like i've criticized him a lot as you know and this is something sam likes to bring up too is like he always has to dust it off and it always Mm -hmm. feels like he takes that extra second and i thought actually like there was a moment on the power play before that where he had an opportunity to shoot it and same thing where he double clutched it and you're like just decide this, this is should confirm to you how right you are,
1: though. The play yeah. where he just one-touches his back to Willie, yeah. he, it's that half-second difference. He can shoot it in the net because he doesn't go front-back and then make the play. It's a yeah. world of difference.
0: But this is something that you've talked—man, uh, honestly, as far as you and I go back about having hockey conversations, it's been Morgan Riley struggles with gap control, struggles off the rush— and, yeah, is not exactly the greatest winner of puck battles in his own end, despite being a guy who's very strong. Um, yeah. When he's moving the puck, he's great. But so far this season, like, it just, yeah, I, he's not alone in this. Like I said, we've mentioned Matthews and Marner not really being themselves night in and night out and not just playing with that same force. But I feel like Riley's in that group, too. But the fourth line to me, anyway, um, I like it. I like players who complement one another. And I yeah. feel like these guys kind of do that, where – you have Camp and Aston Reese, who are just the clock killer kings, right? Like that's how about Aston done. Reese's
1: back check tonight?
0: Yeah, man. I you know what? I thought everybody did actually a really good job of back check. It was one in my notes. Like it was like the whole team. Like again, if I'm gonna compliment Nylander one more time, it's just that that was something that was like extremely noticeable with him tonight. It was like he was yeah. getting back on every single play.
1: Well, what but- Pittsburgh have twenty shots?
0: Yeah, no, they did not have a lot of opportunities. And they had a couple of times where they missed the net. Um, but yeah, still not, uh, not a heavy offensive. Like think about the goals right. they got tonight, right? Broken play that ends up with Malgan doing that little spinorama pass that goes right into the slot to who was it? Zucker that yeah. buries that one. They get the, the, the turnover that Shalgren lets one go through him. Like he's a ghost. It wasn't yeah. like Pittsburgh didn't play with any foresight again. Leafs lost because they had a bad goaltender and some unfortunate timing and they couldn't bury some of theirs. Like, Right before that play, too, Marner gets the puck stuck in his skates, and in a pretty rare moment, like yeah. on a two on zero, doesn't have any idea where the puck is. Like normally, he's a magnet for it, and it goes the other way and breaks. That it. was that like, was wild. Like I'm not I'm not killing him for this game. Like no, I just they're... I don't think that there's anything to kill them for. I brought up the five on five stuff earlier, just because like I did, I felt like they were the better team, and in the third period, they should have been able to find that other gear, turn it up, and and find a way to get one. And it just it never felt like they were threatening after the bunting opportunity to start the first, but. The fourth line. Um, Yeah, I'll still be suspicious of Malgin long-term come playoffs. And like, you know, he got rocked again tonight where you go, whoo, you know, he got sat down hard. But he's just that little guy who seems to be keep get back up. I thought that the play he made on the first goal was, it was basically all him, right? He goes in a four check. He gives somebody a bump. He collects the puck. He turns it back on the half wall. He's patient and he finds the right guy. They just don't have a lot of players that, Why can't Robertson be him? Why why isn't he
1: playing like Mulligan?
0: Yeah, I at least thought Robertson tonight was a little bit more assertive with the shot. You know, like he was looking for it. And I went, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about Robertson with, like, the organization of, hey, we know you can shoot. Can you do the other things? And I feel like his last few games, he hasn't shot enough. Almost like guy who's afraid to do his thing because he doesn't want too, to look too like busy being done. f3 yeah yeah and and now i'm like tonight he at least shot the puck and he had a couple where i went boy that that is it was just a good reminder to go like oh right that's why you're here because you have that laser beam. yeah total laser i know i think
1: i know the one you're talking about into the goalies crest basically
0: yeah. but he shot it so
1: hard it was like oh yeah he geez. did
0: so yeah i don't know I'm i wish it could I'm, be that but he's i'm not just right
1: frustrated now. watching him because like the expectation is that he is a offensive contributor and a cheap contract. And on the offensive side of things, my criticism last year was that he couldn't create his own shot, but if you got him a shot, he could bury it. And Mm -hmm. early in preseason in particular, he was creating separation and getting off the wall. And he had the puck. I can't think of too many times in the past five games when he's had the puck, like just for any extended skating with it, maintaining it. It's just, he looks to get open so we can get a shot and get it off. Otherwise, I don't know. There's not much there for me. So I just, you know, waiting, trying to be patient, waiting for a young guy to take a step and evolve and all that. But I see why he's been healthy a couple of times. It doesn't feel like he's creating like he was for himself earlier in the season.
0: That being said, and I'll stand by this for the meantime, even though I agree with you um, outside of those moments tonight where, again, he, he did look to shoot. To me, there's just no other options that should be supplanting a young player on a cheap contract that you invested like decent draft capital into. Like they, they know Nick Robertson can dominate at the AHL level. Yeah. I don't think that his trade value would be particularly high right now heading into the deadline. Like he hasn't done it any favors. If if you I like I said heading in the deadline is November eleventh. But yeah I it's a, I just <laughs> I'm just saying you're kind of in a position right now where I I just I don't see any other option for them other than play him like what are you going to do you're going to continue to bring Wayne Simmons up or Kyle Clifford like you know what that is like find out what you don't know and continue to let this kid try to find himself and at least feel well enough that if you ever do move off of him or you make a trade that you know what you have internally in Robertson uh, a little bit more than you did this year. It just
1: has to, if you do something, you know, to your point about the Leafs defense, Kipper made a good point today. You know, it would have to be for a defenseman because you look at what they went into playoffs last year with in terms of physicality. Labushkin was on the Riley pair, Muzzin was on their second pair. And right now they're looking at going into playoffs with neither of those two guys. Like, who throws a body check on the decor right now? Not saying that was a factor in tonight's game, but it's just something to look at when they are shopping, whoever or whenever they gotta do
0: though i will say this though you and i i brought it up with you last monday is it's like the, the houston astros just won the world series again but the team is very different from the iteration that won the first time the cheater ones yeah this time it's like they did it with pitching and when the leafs first became the leafs it was always fire wagon hockey, fire wagon hockey, and this team doesn't know how to defend leads. And I can even remember like the season with the Winter Classic here, just that it was just blown lead after blown lead. And this is a really long time ago, and it was always about like, hey, this team can't defend, this team doesn't have defenders, and their blue line doesn't mesh. And even without Muzzin, like they they still look like a really good defensive team. They defend uh, well. Could not Pittsburgh could not get anything going tonight. To me, no. like I actually do. Everybody knows that it's a different game come playoff time and that you probably want to be a little bit heavier on your blue line. And, of course, there's someone that you'd love to have there that could just confidently eat 20 minutes, right? Play next yeah. to Morgan Riley or whatever. Uh, who gives you a little bit more of physical presence? Great. Um, but I am starting to feel a little bit like another forward with some offensive punch that can play up your lineup is going to end up being a bit more of a priority for them. Like, like they, they need yeah. a bit more scoring, which is such a weird thing to say. But I know there is. There's too there many is passengers the offensively.
1: Yeah, there's the faction of like Leafs fans who will tell you, well, look at their score in Game Sevens over the past, Mm -hmm. you know, or in deciding games over the past however long. It's, you know, they scored ten times in seven game or seven tries or whatever the stats are on it. So yeah, I, I can see the case being made for that too. It's just. Yeah, it feels a little one-dimensional on the back end. I, I do think, though, um, you know, Tampa Bay went through what the Leafs are going through here where they were a firewagon hockey, top-scoring team in hockey for a couple years. Mm-hmm. They lose to Columbus in the first round. The next year, they drop to, like, 10th in scoring, and they become a more defensive-focused team. They win the Cup. You know, yeah. is there something in the maturity of the guys through those experiences, and, and are we seeing that now with this Leafs team where – they seem very well coached, despite not being, you know, physical or big or pure defenseman. They seem just they're in the right places an awful lot now. And maybe they've made that transition. I,
0: I, like, it's weird to say this, but I feel better about them as a defensive team than an offensive team right now. For sure. Like, I just like every single night I'm going, wow, they just didn't really give up very much. Other than obviously the blips at the beginning of the season, going back to the Golden Knights game, and even the last game against Vegas, Vegas just kind of does have their number for being able to get to those high danger spots. But, yeah, you clean up one turnover tonight by the member, the offensive guy of your fourth line, and maybe you end up winning that hockey game. Like, yeah. that, that's the one real big mistake that you can point to in this one. Um, last thing for me before we go, unless, like, if you have any of the notes, fly, let them fly. I just, it, it relates to the blender thing and putting Kerfoot back down there. Just that third line with Engval, Kerfoot, and Yarncroft is just giving them nothing. I know. What is it you say you do here? I know. Like, Callie like, Yarncrock. I, I really don't want to hammer this, but it's just like, how do you not write this off
1: as just disaster? Like, well, What's so crazy, bad. though, JD? you don't write it off because he's not bad. But usually Ooh, when you call things know. not bad, you're saying kind of good. He's just not bad. He is not mm. bad. <laughs> he is, not he's... You know he's
0: tall enough. He's rangy. He skates well. He shoots he's it hard. He's strong. Enough. You know. like exactly. This is bad. When dude, you know what you just did? <laughs> you just did the Martin Rinson defense. Like that was literally the Martin <laughs> no, Rinson. I mean, like, well, there
1: are people who still will like, do that. But like,
0: stick. he's fine.
1: Like he's Ooh. fine.
0: I don't know. But yeah, it, it.
1: wouldn't you like if you were him? You're like, wouldn't you want to make an impression in some way, some impact?
0: I, I don't. I, know. Like, I know he has a decent shot because we does. saw it the other night. And outside of that, I just, like, I thought there was going to be a little chemistry there with him and Kerfoy at the beginning of the season. It was like game one or two where the two of them hooked up on a really nice play, and I went, ooh. I haven't seen the Yarncroft thing. Engval continues to just be Engval, And and ever hoping that it's not going to be Engval is just wrong. I and, hope he doesn't yeah. score
1: for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> just... just, just,
0: just I, Continues to be Engvall. I'm so entertained by his role on the team. Dude, I I just, I cannot for the life of me imagine, because every once in a while, you know, I think about weighing in on Engvall stuff, but it's just, it's too easy, right, for me sometimes. And then there's like a certain sect of just Engvall defense Twitter, uh, and it's just, that is one of the wildest hills for me ever to die on. <laughs> it's like out of any hill you could die on, yeah. Pierre Engval Hill has to be the worst one. Like when they find your Unless you're just on blinded hill. by
1: his beauty. You know, I, there is, I don't know what it is, but he is
0: beautiful. Like there's no doubt. And like sure. I said, every once in a while he can trick you for sure. Like he can trick you for a split second and then he plays the rest of the game. I just, that third line to me is just like I said. Maybe the fourth line I like more, just because they do some things. Yeah. And I like oh, the for fourth sure. line, and that again, like I like that Malgin brings out a little bit of the offense that Camp seems to have, where it's not like he's a sniper or some guy that's you know driving and creating. Competent but, guy. Yeah, but they can hem lines in. You know, they do what the fourth line does, which is is so lovely when you see them like kill time in the like in the offensive zone, and Camp yeah. is able to do that. That third line is just I like I. I watch these games I take notes the entire time. I, I I have no notes. Never written a number down, not even for anything negative, but like there's people who tell
1: you that's a good thing. Third line, you don't see them, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Here's a comparison for you uh, that I had come across the other day. I think if you isolated every skill in hockey and did a contest of all the Maple Leafs, Engvall wins like 80% of them fastest skater hardest shot you know like he he his
0: raw tools are unbelievable is that terrence ross is that terrence ross had heart terrence ross cared (laughs) terrence ross don't how dare you say about terrence ross all right like just because he's been stuck on the magic for forever no terrence (laughs) ross cared all right he wanted to win the dunk contest like i mean the, I love T Ross. How dare you? All the
1: tools are there to be something yeah. great. I, that came up when talking with Blake Murphy the other day. I was like, that's actually a pretty apt comparison
0: because Angle at, can do it man. all. I'm mad at Blake for saying that about T Ross. You know, like <laughs> knock down a three, sweet headband, hops out of the gym. Sure. I love him.
1: Can do yeah. lots of stuff. Yeah. I know,
0: but cool guy too. Also, T Ross has done my podcast a couple of times, so I'll never, I'll never betray you, T Ross. We're boys. We're <laughs> boys for life. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, you got anything else? Nah, man. That's it. Yeah uh tomorrow night another game again saturdays no youtube no stream uh just podcast and then up on youtube uh the video will be up after it's recorded um subscribe to the podcast again it's really nice whenever you leave a five-star review if you do like this um it's up on itunes up on spotify do all those things you can also subscribe to born and um shows uh the jd bunkus podcast and real kipper and born um and we will catch you very very soon thanks for listening